0: Hey everybody, happy Wednesday, happy, happy Wednesday. Um, Tonight is going to be a lot of fun. My name is Meredith Knox, if I have not had a chance to meet you at every campus. I've actually gotten to travel the past couple weeks to a lot of our campuses. I got to go to Aiken uh, last week and hang out, (laughs) yeah, woo, Aiken here in Anderson, um, hang out with the ladies of Aiken. Let's see, I went to Columbia the other week for a rally, that was pretty fun. Um, where else have I been? I've been to Greenville recently. Hey, how much did y'all enjoy the past two weeks? Uh, the first week where we did guys and ladies separately. Was that not fun for everybody? And then last week uh, with Kristen and Caleb coming up here and hanging out and talking about their their loke for each other. Uh, I would say that's lame, but like I can't wait till I can look at somebody and be like, hey man, I loke you, you know. If you don't know what I'm talking about... uh understandable, it means you weren't here. (laughs) Go check out uh, all of our messages on YouTube, and then what it means to loke someone will make a lot more sense. All right, let's kick into tonight. We're going to talk a lot about identity, Um, and I've loved that. This is the seventh week of this that we are really solidifying uh, what our real identity is, and hopefully if you don't know this statement by now, know it, but this is kind of like the statement for the series um, that we believe. uh, We just want to plant into your hearts, and it's this. Y'all can write this down. True identity is knowing and receiving who God says I am. True identity is knowing and receiving who God says I am. Because we all have a lot of answers to the question, hey, who are you? Um, I'm gonna be honest with y'all, when I was in middle school, I went through a lot of different identity crises. Uh, there was a time span where I wore like DC skate shoes, didn't own a skateboard. Um, but I wanted people to know that's who I am, but it wasn't who I was really, you know what I'm saying? Uh, then there was a time, um, where I wore like Sperry's, don't, don't hate on me. Where I wore Sperry's and like, what do you call the thing you put around your sunglasses? Croakies? Yep. And like fishing (laughs) t-shirts. It was cute. In my defense, I'm from the coast of North Carolina. But I wanted to project this like, I don't know, surf, that's not surfing, fishing, like it's what I wanted to project, but it's not who I was really. You know what I'm saying? So this series, we're getting at, who are you really? Let's define reality. Uh, So the point, how I'm going to kind of get through tonight, it has three sections, okay? I'm going to help us define reality. I'm going to show us how to live in that reality. And then I'm going to ask you to respond to that reality, okay? I'm going to define reality. Hopefully show you how to live in that reality and then ask you to respond to that reality. Make sense? If you're ready, say yes. Okay, thank you. All right. So the first thing that I'm going to help set up for us to define reality and this reality that I'm about to define, it gets really, real, really quick when you look at the scripture. Showing us who you are in reality Without Jesus and who you are in reality with Jesus. All right, so let's look at this in Romans 6, 5 through 11. It says this. For if, everybody say if. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought into nothing. Everybody say nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. There is a lot in that one verse. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Can I get an amen fuse? I heard somebody shyly do, you can let it out a little more confidently. We're not, okay, I'm going to read it one more time. Death no longer has dominion over him. Thank you. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And this is what we're going to focus in on tonight. I want, if you haven't looked at the screen yet, look at the screen, read this with me. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. These verses define the reality with Jesus and without Jesus. So here's how I'm going to help us define it, okay? An if-then statement. All right, y'all learn these in school. I don't exactly remember learning them, but I remember their thing. It's an if-then statement, okay? If I am alive in Christ, then I am dead to sin. If we are alive in Christ, then we are dead to sin. Here's what I mean by this. I've noticed something um, in our Christian culture, our Christian world, okay? I've seen it in auditoriums. I kind of see it in this auditorium tonight. If I was at your campus, I could sniff it out real quick because I've also been this person. I'm talking to Christians right now, okay? So if you're in here and you aren't quite decided, then pressure's off. Be blessed. About to come at the Christians real quick, okay? It's many of us who have been made alive. The moment you receive salvation, you are made alive, but you are still living in certain aspects like you are dead what I mean by this is Jesus has made you alive, but there are still certain beliefs. There are still certain actions. There are still certain behaviors. Like you're living like the dead person, like the old person. So you're not fully alive, but you're not fully dead. You're kind of living in both. And so it's something kind of like living undead, okay? You know what I'm talking about? The Walking Dead. Zombies are like every movie that came out in the past 10 years And we have some spiritual zombies walking around Fuse, and especially in the southern United States, who God has made alive, but they're clinging to death. And you are literally, it's why Fuse is lackluster to you, why it seems boring. Because you're still living like you're undead. Not fully alive, not fully dead, somewhere in the middle. And I'm here to call us out to speak encouragement to you tonight. My prayer has been that the Holy Spirit would breathe the breath of life into you and that we would come fully alive in Jesus Christ. You're not made to be dead. You're made to be fully alive, not somewhere in the middle. Come on, spiritual zombies. We need to wake up in the house this evening and realize what full life we've been called to. That's the reality. You've been made fully alive, not to live somewhere in the middle. So, uh, that's the reality of who we are with Jesus and without Jesus. And so, to call us up from that undead state, I now want to teach us how to live in the alive reality, okay? And I'm going to do that um, by actually reminding us of some things tonight. Anybody have to use, I have to use Siri on my phone all the time for reminders because you just have the worst memory in the world. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, your mom's always like, hey, don't forget to take such and such before you leave the house. You're like, gosh, mom, I know. Two minutes later, you leave, and you leave it in the house. That's me, except my mom isn't around anymore. It's just myself um, to try to remind myself. But I'm going to stir us up by way of reminder tonight, and it's through the simple yet powerful gospel. Because it says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 2. Same guy writing this to a different church, but he says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 2. Now, I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you. And here's the three things we're going to walk through. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So here's the reminder I'm going to give us of the gospel tonight, okay? The gospel which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. The gospel which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Because I'm here to tell y'all, I'm so tired of the gospel being talked about, especially in our culture and world, like it's two-dimensional and flat. No, 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 no. The gospel is three-dimensional, it is beautiful, it is alive, it is every essence of what we believe in Christianity, it is our hope, it's the thing we look forward to, it's the anchor we look back to, it's the breath of life that we can live in today, and if you have forgotten the true beauty of the gospel, I'm here to stir us up by way of reminder tonight, because don't forget this, the gospel which you received The gospel in which you stand and the gospel by which you're being saved. So I'm going to walk through those three things. And the first one is the gospel which you received. The gospel which you received. Do y'all know what actually happened when you received salvation? Do you know what actually happens when you receive salvation, when you get saved? It is more, it is a gift you received, but it's more than that. It is more than just a gift you received. It is a union with Christ that you enter into. You literally get united with the person of Jesus Christ. You get united with his power. You get united with his life. You get united with his identity. When you receive salvation. That's what Romans 6 says. We have become united with him in the likeness of his death. There is a union between Christ and Christians so that what happened to Christ is counted by God as happening to us. It means the death that he died is now our death. Okay, how many of you in here have gotten baptized? Raise your hand. Wow. Wow amazing. Some of y'all are going to get baptized here in a couple weeks. I see some of you, my girl out there who just recently got baptized. Can I just say every campus, how proud I am of our student ministry for the boldness you've displayed lately in going public in baptism. It is amazing. It's amazing. But you know, when you get baptized, what it is signifying is a union that you entered into. You know what it says like, who's your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ, so now that you have said, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then you're lowered under the water, and then you're brought back up, what that is showing is you are saying, my old self has now died, I'm leaving it under the water, and the new self is being raised to life. It is counting Jesus' death, the death that he died to sin. All of your sin, all of your old identity, all of your shame is now left under the water and you raise up back to life like a baby Christian saying, Jesus, now teach me every step of the way what this new life is meant to look like. You've been united with Jesus Christ. Hold on. God, just let me say that one more time. You have been united with Jesus Christ. This is amazing. Some of us get way more excited to be united to a person possibly in marriage one day than we do Jesus. But how weird is it? If somebody walks around, and they're like, yeah, I'm married. Oh, really? Who's your husband? Don't have one. Um, well, then how are you married? Oh, like my mom was married. Okay. Cool. Oh, yeah, I I grew up in a married home. Okay. All my friends are married, so I'm married. No, you're not. And we should call someone. You're not married unless you're united with someone. And you're not raised to life until you're united with someone. That's why even when you get married, it says that the two become one. You've not, hey, I'm saying this to myself to convict myself. I've not yet been fully united with Christ until people get his life and my life confused. Until they look so similar. The same way, you know, in marriage, like, the older, no offense to y'all, have been married in here a long time. The older people get, like, the older they are, they've been married, like, 30 years, they start to, like, look like each other. It's like a blob of a human. It's like they make the same facial expressions. I see y'all. It's true, it happens. When you get united with Christ, it should become that way that you and Jesus become a blob. You've just meshed into each other. People get y'all confused. This is what I'm praying for myself. That's the gospel you received. You received more than just saying a prayer. You received a union with Jesus Christ. Stir yourself up by way of reminder. That's the gospel you received. But that's not the only part of the gospel because many of us, stop there. Because there's a second part of the gospel, and it's the gospel in which you stand. The gospel in which you stand. You know what dead people can't do? Stand up. Unless you've seen that weird movie called Weekend of Bernie's. And I've never seen it, so I have no idea, like, what actually happens in it. Um, and that movie's, like, 400 years old, so none of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but what a dead person can't do is stand And I would tell you the culture that you're in, the schools that you walk through, many of the neighborhoods that you uh, live in, the social media that you see. You know what you see a lot of? People who are trying to make a lot of stands for something but have no identity to actually stand straight in. This is like a big part of our culture right now is like I stand for this and I stand for this and I stand for this and I stand for this. And I'm like I don't know how you're like standing for all of these things but you just seem confused to me. It's why so many of us are confused about who we are because the target of what you are supposed to identify yourself with is always moving. So you're like, this is who I am, and this is who I am, and no, I'm with this guy, and so I'm, I love football because he loves football. And you're like, they're like, what's a defensive line? Don't know, but he's cute. And you're like running over. It's always moving and changing, and you're never able to stand firm because you don't have an unchangeable thing to stand firm in. It's, it's exhausting. Like I'm out of breath right now because I'm out of shape from that one little semicircle that I did around the stage. It is exhausting to have to keep moving and shifting with all, hey, let's get real for a second. It's why right now one of the main questions that get asked in our culture to help define identity is this. How do you identify yourself? hear me and it's why many of us always have a different answer because you weren't meant to identify yourself you can't identify yourself because I don't know about you but every day I feel a little bit different some days I wake up and I'm like "Whoa, I'm alive Jesus is good I can't wait to preach tonight. He is moving and fused. Have you seen those students getting baptized? Have you seen what they've done in their schools? Some days I wake up and I'm like, you know what I feel like? Poop. And I don't want to go to fuse tonight. I don't want to go lead worship on Sunday. Um, There's been many days where I'm like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to get in the car, drive into the sunset, never look back. (laughs) And it'll just be great. That's where Hebrews 13.8 calls us to an identity that we can stand firm in because there's only one person who will never change. And so he's the only person that you can feel safe identifying yourself with. In Hebrews 13.8, it says this. Jesus Christ, end of list, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you want to be able to stand firm in your identity, to not be up one day and down the next, that doesn't mean you don't have bad days. It just means that you trust in a person who is unchangeable when your emotions are always changing. I need to tell you all too, this is why some of your friendships are so toxic. Because you're putting your self-reliance on a person who is a human who cannot sustain the weight of your happiness and joy and not on Jesus Christ who is the only one who will never change. And I don't mean just your dating ones. I mean like friendships. Stop getting so mad at that person when they're not the ones who are supposed to sustain your identity. They screwed up. You know what alive people do? Forgive one another. Here's another thing. I have no idea what my notes say. I'm just over here. Here's another thing. You know what dead people don't do? Talk to each other. You know what alive people do? talk to each other face to face, if that person ticked you off, especially if they are in this fused family, then tonight, before you leave, you ask them to step to the side, to go in a care room, to go in a corner, and y'all talk it out until you are unified. Because your identity Your happiness, we are meant to do this thing together. All of us have been unified with Christ. And if just a few of us are off, whether we realize it or not, it will infect the whole church. Talk, forgive, be alive. You're alive. I know that sound that no one just made doesn't signify it. But you are alive. Stand firm in your identity in Jesus Christ. He will not change and his feelings about you will never change. That is good news tonight. So remind yourself of the gospel you received. You've been united with Jesus. Remind yourself of the gospel in which you stand. It cannot change. He cannot move. He cannot change his feelings about you. He cannot. Son and daughter label over your life will never change once you receive Jesus. But then the third thing we got to stir ourselves up with is the gospel by which you are being saved. The gospel by which you are being saved. I'm a little stirred up tonight, if you can't tell, because I am so, so tired of the enemy convincing us to be lesser than we are. Did you know, I've said this to you before, that you, that Satan was not put on earth to torment you, you were put on earth to torment him. He ain't got no power over you. Let me tell you why some of us forget this. Because you receive salvation and then you let it stop having a changing effect in your life. That's why I love this. It doesn't say the gospel that saved you. It says, no, the gospel that is saving you every day. It's a change agent. But you know that people can be set free and still have a prisoner mindset? Like this is, I don't know if science is the right word, but science, okay, that they literally, they've been in jail for so long that they get freed, and they don't know how to live as free people. Many Christians are becoming that way because we let salvation open the door, and then we never let salvation then teach us how to live a free life. I was thinking of a way to, like, illustrate this, and one of my favorite things about Jesus is that he was a, um, he was a great storyteller, like, he told great stories, he told parables, um, And so I wrote my own like little parable. Do y'all want to hear it? Too bad I have a microphone, you're gonna hear it anyways. So I wrote my own little uh, parable that I think kind of signifies, illustrates, teaches us this like, this prisoner mindset that we still have, okay? Here we go. Hold on, let me get into character. All right. Once upon a time, There was a young boy born in a bakery, which kind of sounds like living the dream. Every day he woke up to the sweetest of smells, donuts and cakes, pastries and bagels, butters and jams. My mouth is watering. His whole life, that is all he knew, a diet of sweets. Doesn't seem so bad, does it? Well, the only thing, is that this bakery was actually a peculiar prison. Born into captivity, the boy's master had a cruel and curious type of imprisonment planned for him. Stuck in this room and only ever knowing life inside of these four walls, his master fed him only what would keep him weak and lazy. That way, should he ever actually get the opportunity to escape, it would be difficult, if not impossible, for the young boy to go free. Well, fast forward years later, and a savior finally arrives. The evil dictator is overthrown, and all prison doors are opened. They're saved, but the boy remains trapped year after year after year. Though his desire was to finally see what could be lying beyond in the world outside, there he remains, still bound by four walls and an open door. Why? The door was not locked. The windows were not barred. All he had to do was leave the room. But you see, the obstacle to freedom was not in the doors or the windows, but with the boy himself. Now, being shaped by years of only taking in donuts and sugar, he could not fit through the door, even though it was of near normal size. All he needed to do was stop eating what surrounded him long enough to get down to a smaller size, then walk out a free man. However, his desire to be free never won out over his desire to eat. And I tell us this parable to tell us this isn't about dieting. This is about that pre-Jesus making us alive, there was an appetite that was trained in us. An appetite to get and to gain. I want to date this way, so I do it. I want my speech to be this way, so I do it. And the world fed us only what would keep us weak and lazy and quiet. Then Jesus comes, we receive salvation, and he makes us fully alive. And y'all remember who've gotten saved? That first night when you first got saved, you walk out of here and you're like, I'm alive. This is living now. You're like, you come home for gauntlet, and it's like, boy, I am alive. I am free. I'm I'm telling you, I'm about to go up in um, Dutch Fork right here in Columbia. This whole place, it's all about to get set free. I tell you what, but then familiar appetites come back around. A familiar relationship, listen to me, a familiar dating habit, and your spiritual appetite of old starts to growl, but you know that's not who God made you to be anymore, but our desire to eat has not yet grown bigger than our desire to be free. So we head back into the prison and we numb num on the things that the world has to offer to us. Listen, this is why many of you, sin, this is why this is so frustrating. You've been made alive, but you're still trying to live dead. But sin doesn't have the pleasure that it used to have because you're not a dead person anymore. You're an alive person. So that isn't fully like pleasing you. But then you come to church, but you're still living like you're dead during the week. But then you come here and like, worship isn't really fulfilling you, but it's because you're trying to live in both worlds. And I'm here to tell you, salvation didn't just come to save you. The gospel wasn't just preached to save you. It's here to train you how to live free. That's what Romans 6 talks about, is you have to be fully crucified with Christ so that the full a live man and the full alive woman can come to life. This is why y'all need to stop shutting your Fuse group leaders out when they're trying to challenge y'all. Because they've done it. (laughs) Many of your Fuse group leaders, I know them because when I first started serving in Fuse, they were students. And I had the same conversation with them. I don't know, man, like Fuse just doesn't really do it for me anymore. I read the Bible and it's boring. It's because you're feeding yourself crap all week and then you try to intake this and it doesn't fit either. You've been made alive, fully alive, but in order to receive the full life, it has to be a full exchange, right? If you get a gift, how many people's parents are just terrible gift givers? A few, okay? Hopefully they can't see you on the screen if they're watching on YouTube. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Um, If you get something from a friend or from a parent and you take that back to exchange it, you go up to the counter, and they're like, oh, you want to make an exchange? Great. Yep, here's your receipt, whatever. Now I need the gift that you had so you can exchange it. And you're like, no, I want to keep this one too. That's not how exchanging works, okay? You go to Walmart, and you try to keep the gift and go get another one, you're going to end up in getting arrested, okay? When you receive full life from Jesus, there needs to be a complete exchange, Go read all of Romans 6 tonight. It talks about stop submitting your body as instruments of of wickedness, but fully submit yourself to God to learn how to live fully alive. It's who you're made to be. Exchange all that past stuff. You're better than that. Exchange all that past stuff. You've been made alive in Jesus Christ. That is who you are. So here's how I wanna end tonight. I have three I am statements that I wanna run past you that is in light of the gospel which you received, the gospel um, in which you stand and the gospel by which you're being saved. So look, either get your phone out to take a photo or write these down. But can we put those up? Fuse, I hope that this starts defining who we are. Getting to know the real you, this is it. I am alive because Jesus has shared his life with me. I am alive so I can stand firm. You can stand firm in your school. You can stand firm in your family. And I am alive so I can be free. Keep that up there for a second because I want everybody to just look at that. You've been united with Christ. Christ. You have a firm foundation to stand on. And you are free in Jesus' name. And so with those three questions in mind, you can take those down. Here's how we're going to lead into response. I told you I was going to define reality. I was hopefully going to show us how to live in that reality. And then I was going to ask you to respond to reality. So here's what I want you to ask God to wrap up tonight, okay? Now it's time for you and God to talk together. And it's this, where am I still living like I'm dead where you have made me alive? God, where am I still living like I am dead where you have made me alive? And everybody's gonna have different answers to this. On my journey, this is like this is what sanctification is. Google that word later. It literally means where we become more like Christ. Because everybody at Fuse, as I wrap up, listen to me. You were not, you were not made alive to become a better version of you. You are made alive to become more and more like Jesus. I don't want you to just become a better version of you. Jesus has invited us to become more and more like him. So we're gonna do some work with God right now as we ask that question to him. God, where am I still living like I'm dead where you have made me alive? Because I'm telling you, Fuse, there's too many strong weapons of God in here for us to keep living like we're undead. Way too many strong weapons in here. Some of you young ladies are way more powerful than you even know. And you already have a voice among your friends. You already have a voice among your school. The only thing is, you wonder why it's still not fulfilling you. It's just focused in the wrong direction. It's not fully alive yet. You've been given a voice in your school to help raise other people to life. That's what alive people do. Some of you young men in here are meant to shift entire generational bonds in your family to be a better father, a better friend a better husband than maybe you ever saw around you because you've been made fully alive. So come alive tonight. Come alive to that reality. Come alive to who you've been made to be. No more settling for being a good boy or a good girl living undead. You have been made alive, Townsend, made fully alive. Columbia, fully alive. Northeast Columbia, fully alive. Aiken, fully alive. Greenville, fully alive. We believe, we've believe we been praying for a revival, and I'm tired of praying for it, when God has given us the ability and the Holy Spirit to see it happen. Come alive tonight. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing at every campus, and we're going to ask God this question, and we're going to do the hard work, and we're going to come alive. Can I get an amen fuse? Come on. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing. Father, thank you that you didn't call us to just live kind of alive. You didn't call us to a partial fullness. You didn't call us to a partial joy. You made us alive in Jesus' name. So I pray for young men and women in every room tonight that they would come alive. If they've been bored and fused, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would overwhelm them in such a way tonight that marks them for the rest of their life a vision, an encounter with you. I pray that they would have dreams about the reality of who you are and who you've made them to be in this world because we're done with the enemy convincing us to be lesser versions than who you made and then saved and then set us free to be. As we sing King of Kings, as we lift up your name, Jesus, would you be pleased to come dwell among us? Breathe life into us, Holy Spirit, we need you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.